As I continued driving, the Lord spoke. Hey, Jeff, you want to hear something? He asked. Sure, I replied. You know, I love it when you talk. He said, you know how you long to see your son? How you love him so much and miss him so much it hurts? You know how you think about him all the time? Well, Jeff, that's how I feel about you. I long to talk to you. I love you so much, son. And I think about you every day, constantly, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, every breath you take, I'm thinking about you. There isn't a moment that goes by that I don't think about you. There isn't a moment that goes by that I don't feel my love or think of my love for you. I am so crazy for you, so zealous for you. I'm Jeff Matero, and you're listening to At The Table. You know, I believe when we gather and share stories of what God has done in our lives, it feeds our spirit and encourages our faith. So sit, listen, and enjoy as I speak with Christians from around the world as they tell stories about God and the amazing things He's done. To get notified as soon as a new episode is released, please click the subscribe button. We'd also love to hear from you. So leave us a review on whatever podcast listening app you use. And without any further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to At The Table. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to At The Table and hanging out with me today. I'm going to just be continuing to read because Jesus, we're on uh, chapter two. So here we go. Chapter two. Holy Spirit change. The next couple of chapters cover the next two years of my life, and a whole lot happened during that time. I was challenged to believe beyond what was possible. I was stretched to believe God was bigger than what I could see, and I was taught how to let go of wrong thinking and living, and I was shown how true change comes. And it wasn't easy. The Bible says that once I got saved, I became a new creation. There were a lot of lifestyle changes that had to happen. I believe that's one of the main reasons we're given the Holy Spirit. He's the one who comes and empowers us and leads us into true change. He's the one who teaches us and renews us. He's the one who strengthens and encourages us. He's the one who shows us the way and speaks the deep secrets of God. Now, during this time in my life, I'd also participated in two separate church classes. The first was cleansing streams. We learned how to work through a lot of the past deep-rooted hurts within us, and I personally learned a lot about forgiveness and freedom in Christ. The second was ministry training institute. I learned how to minister to people, pray for people, and about church structure and church politics. It was a wonderful experience to walk through these classes with the Holy Spirit. Now, with Ministry Training Institute, you can actually go and you can find this online. It's a completely free resource now. When I went through it, it was an in-person. We would do an hour of practice, like uh, learning regular things. And then there's like this hour and a half of practicum where you would learn how to give your testimony. You learn how to lead someone to Jesus, learn how to baptize the Holy Spirit, healing by revelation, casting out demons, preaching, all kinds of really cool stuff. That was practicum. And then just another hour of learning. Well, they've done it all online. You can all, you can go and look at it online. Um, just look up Ministry Training Institute, um, John and Sonia Decker, D-E-K-K-E-R, I believe, or D-E-C-K-E-R, I don't know, John and Sonia Decker. Anyway, they wrote a book called Doing What Jesus Did. And um, 
if you look them up that way, John and Sonia Decker doing what Jesus did, it'll probably take you to the Ministry Training Institute. You can sign up. It's absolutely free. I highly recommend it. Anyway, that's my little pitch, my little commercial for them. Sean, during the aforementioned classes, I learned a lot about God, his church, and myself. However, I failed to see the opportunity I'd had at work to put into practice the things he was teaching me. When I got saved, I still had a year and a half left of my military obligation. Right away, I struggled between the balance of work and my spiritual life. It was easy for me to give all I had to give when I was serving the church, but doing the same at my job, it was like pulling teeth. A couple of weeks before I got saved, I began developing a really good working relationship and friendship with my, with my boss, Sean. Sean was the perfect example of a fully dedicated soldier. His priorities were his duty and his country. He not only knew how to perform military tasks efficiently, but he really knew how to train soldiers. However, he didn't just train soldiers, but he related to and genuinely cared for them. Sean was such an incredible guy. I remember when we got deployed, like I talked about in the last chapter, the night before we left for our deployment, right? Or maybe it was like two nights before we left. I can't remember. We were prepping in, uh, everything that night. He went home and he was cooking something on the stove and it caught fire. And when he went to move the pan to the sink, like this oil from the pan shot up and covered like his whole right or left arm. I can't remember what it was really bad burns, really bad. It like caught his house on fire and everything too, but he got put out anyway. He still like that from that night, that night, it was like late at night. This guy would, he, he went to the doctor, got it all covered. And he asked like, can I still go on deployment? They're like, no, you can't go. And he's like, I'll do everything I need to, to make sure it's clean. It doesn't get infected. Everything. He ended up over that next day or whatever it was, got all the waivers so he could still get deployed to go to war. Like this dude was no joke. He was awesome. I love Sean. He would invite, often invite me over to his home for barbecues and the occasional hangout session with beer, where we would talk about how cool or pathetic reality TV was. I really enjoyed it, but as soon as I made the decision to serve God, our relationship changed. And it was not by any fault of God's or the church or even Sean's. It was all me. At work, Sean would ask me to do something, and I would often let him know it was a hassle. Not because it was a hassle, but because it wasn't something I wanted to do. I was really just acting kind of like a little bit of a brat. I wouldn't let him know through words, but more through body language. All I wanted to do was read my Bible or listen to sermons on my computer while I researched quote unquote spiritual stuff online. I talked of serving and loving others, but I never really lived it out in the office. I'd made it clear that the office was the last place I'd wanted to be. Like I, I, mean, I was a real brat, man. Like listening to this, holy cow. It's embarrassing. Sheesh. Not much has changed. I'm just going to say that. When I felt like he was demeaning me or trying to change the way I operated in the office, I would explode and arguments would start. I'm not saying that we had heated discussions. I'm saying we would have yelling matches. And every time they would end up with me leaving the office to regain composure, him stepping out back for a cigarette, and then finally me coming in to apologize for being an insubordinate and disrespectful little prick. Every time I came to him to apologize, Sean would instantly forgive me and say, I know you're going through stuff. It's okay. I understand. And he never, ever brought it up again. The thing is, I wasn't angry all the time or even didn't like Sean. It was fun working together. But I can say that more often than not, there were problems in the office. 
And it's not that I wanted to be a bad witness because I didn't. I truly wanted to show Sean the love of Christ that Christ gives us. But with each day and with each outburst of frustration, I showed him the complete opposite. On the days when Sean would be out of the office and no one was there, I would pray over the building and anoint Sean's chair so that he would change. But again, the problem wasn't with him. It was me. Sean once said to me, do you talk to your pastor like you talk to me? And it wasn't just a question. He said it with pain and frustration in his voice. And after he said this, he reached into his desk, grabbed a cigarette, shut the drawer and walked out of the office. His words hit me like a freight train. He was right in asking me that question. I didn't talk to my pastor like that. And in fact, the way I had acted at church was completely different. I would leave work and wasn't grumpy or moody. I would show up at church ready to serve in any area needed. I greeted all my friends with hugs and smiles. I submitted willingly and joyfully to my leadership at church. Every time they would ask me to serve, I would, even if it conflicted with my work schedule. I always figured Sean would let me have the time off. Plus, I'd rather go to do church stuff anyway. Once, a church function was coming up, so a couple of days before it, I filled out my leave form. The next morning, I came in early. Throughout the morning, I was cheerful and respectful, completely helpful in every way. Then came time for me to ask for my time off. Sean didn't hesitate at all. He immediately approved my leave. And as I walked the 10 feet back to my desk, incredibly pleased with myself, I heard God speak. You notice that every time you want something from Sean, you're super nice and respectful. You do what you are required to do and more, and that's not right. For a moment, there was silence. What the Lord had just said made my heart sink. And then God continued, I want you to want something from him every day. And that got me excited. I felt energized. And then God finished. I want you to want him to be saved. Again, my heart sank. I was completely convicted on how I viewed Sean and myself. I thought I was a great Christian, a shining example of someone submitted to God in every area. I was a perfect mini-Christ. This left me thinking, something's wrong. If you think about it, the free gift of salvation is a result of love without conditions. After examining my heart, I saw I didn't love Sean at all. This is what the Lord was asking me to do. Love Sean with no conditions, no matter what. I'm sad to tell you, I didn't get it together before I left the military. Up to the day I left, Sean and I had conflict. I didn't even say goodbye as I walked out of the office. And yet, I called myself a Christian. With my actions in the office, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean's view of Christians is that we're all hypocrites. I would speak of love and Jesus all the time. He would see me reading my Bible during office hours, as well as hear me talk of serving. But I questioned whether or not he actually saw me live out all that I was staying and all I stood for. For someone who didn't believe in God, I learned more from Sean about grace, forgiveness, diligence, and giving. 45 Second Phone Calls after reading about my life up to this point, I can't help but wonder if you're thinking, did he learn anything at all? The thing is, yes, I did. I learned a lot, actually. I still continued to make mistakes, but despite every one of them, 
God remained faithful. I really started to see this around late September of 2005 when I decided I wanted to get a second job. Apparently, the $3,300 I made a month wasn't enough for me to live on. Truth be told, I needed the extra money to help pay for a school program I wanted to attend. It was starting within a few months, but with my horrific spending habits finally catching up to me, I needed all the money from my work to pay for those mistakes, which left me nothing for the school. I didn't know where to start. I'd pretty much done nothing but military stuff for the past nine years. I'd done some construction for the military, and I'd built cell phone towers in the winter as a civilian. Let me just say that building cell phone towers is the worst job anyone with a fear of heights can have. I have a fear of heights. Therefore, it was a bad idea. Anyway, back to my resume. I blew up stuff, and I could shoot machine guns pretty well. I even did physical security after 9-11, but I realized most of that was full-time work and I couldn't have two full-time jobs, especially since I didn't even like having to go to the one full-time job I had. I thought about fast food or some sort of service industry job, but none of that sounded too appealing. I know this sounds ridiculous since I wanted a job so I could pay for school I wanted to go to, but I just couldn't see myself doing something I didn't enjoy again. I just knew I'd hate a service job. So to take me from one job I didn't like to another one I didn't like sounded depressing. Well, at least to me. Not being able to really do anything or wanting to do anything, I asked the Lord to help me. I know some of you are going to think that I was just being lazy and that I could do any one of those jobs I'd listed off I really wanted if I really wanted the work. And you're probably right. But that's not how the story happened. So like I said, I asked the Lord to help me. Within a month, Ministry Training Institute, the same institute I had taken classes through at my church, offered me a job. The job was doing some night administrative work in their home office. It didn't pay much, but it didn't matter. It was simple, and that's all that mattered at that point. All I had to do was gather teaching books and get them ready to ship out for the next day. I even got to listen to sermons while I worked, which for me was awesome. Mindless work was the best work to do if you want to listen to a sermon. There is one more advantage to this job I quickly realized. I wasn't standing in front of a friar covered in grease. And one night in early October, I was finishing up at the office and I decided to head over to Barnes & Noble's, my personal sanctuary. Barnes & Noble has two things I love, people and coffee. I would often go in there and study over a cup of coffee and quickly get sidetracked by people watching instead. I loved it. People would call and ask if I was at home and I'd say, nope. And they just reply with, okay, I'll be at Barnes & Noble in 10 minutes. Needless to say, I went to this place a lot. As I drove to Barnes & Noble that night, I'd started thinking about my son Daniel. I was really missing him. Extremely, actually. I missed him all the time. But there were moments when I'd sit and dwell on thoughts of him, and it would hit me hard. And that night, it was harder than usual. So I called him. And the call only lasted 45 seconds. This was our conversation. Hey, dude. Hi, Dad. What are you doing? I just went poop in the potty. Daniel said this, not me. Right on, stud. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, and I'm playing with my airplane, and it has stars. Love you, Dad. Bye. And that was it. Seriously, what else can you expect from a a three-and-a-half-year-old boy? Even though it was short, I loved every second of it. And even though I loved every second, I wanted more. And I wanted to talk to him again as soon as I had hung up the phone. And even more than that moment than I'd had before. 
As I continued driving, the Lord spoke. Hey, Jeff, you want to hear something? He asked. Sure, I replied. You know, I love it when you talk. He said, you know how you long to see your son? How you love him so much and miss him so much it hurts? You know how you think about him all the time? Well, Jeff, that's how I feel about you. I long to talk to you. I love you so much, son. And I think about you every day, constantly, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, every breath you take, I'm thinking about you. There isn't a moment that goes by that I don't think about you. There isn't a moment that goes by that I don't feel my love or think of my love for you. I am so crazy for you. So zealous for you. He continued, you know, when you talk to Daniel and he goes on fast telling you what he's been doing and all that, then he gets off the phone and you're left there wanting more time and you barely got to say two words. That's how I feel when I get you alone or attentive and you go on about something and then only give me a minute to speak. I have so much to say, especially about how much I love you. I long for conversations with you. I can't wait to talk to you. I love talking to you. You talk to your friends all the time for hours. Give me time. I have so much to tell you about me and about you. How I see you, how I think you're the man, how I want to tell you my plans for you, how I want to tell you what you are to me. I have so much to tell you about your future. So don't ever think again, as long as you live, that I don't ever want to talk to you because you know now what my love for you is like. Just imagine for a moment the love you have for Daniel in an immeasurable intensity you can't even begin to fathom. That's my love for you, Jeff. I love you. I'm so crazy about you. Just like a father who loves his son. I still remember everything about that night vividly. The feeling that I had as I drove through town, what it looked like outside, how my windshield wipers weren't working on my brand new car as it poured down rain. I sat there in shock. I was completely blown away and it felt completely surreal. By the time I'd reached Barnes and Noble, I couldn't tell if it was the reason I couldn't see out my windshield was from the rain or the amount of crying I'd done. It took a while to compose myself, but I eventually dried my eyes, wiped the snot off my nose with my shirt, and stumbled inside to get my people watching fix. Thank you for not smoking. Some of us have to change the characteristics and habits we've had for years. For me, there were mere moments when I'd question whether or not I wanted to change. I'd lived a certain way for so long, and so many changes seemed nearly impossible. Then, at other times, some changes happened overnight. When I turned 18, the legal age one can buy cigarettes, I didn't start smoking immediately. I initially thought smoking was disgusting. But because I could, when I turned 18, I bought a pack. I crushed every cigarette between my fingers and watched the tobacco fall to the ground simply because I could. I did, however, start smoking at the ripe age of 18 and three quarters. I was between my junior and senior years when this grand decision to enter into manhood was made. It was done behind a farm warehouse maintenance room where I worked for the summertime. At first, cigarettes gave me a headache. They were nasty. But because there was nothing on the farm to do at 2.30 in the morning except stare up at the stars with my buddy Travis, I thought I'd give it a go. Eventually, I liked it. Or should I say, I became addicted. 
After four years of smoking, cigarettes again started giving me headaches. So the decision was made to quit. In order to kick my smoking habit, I decided to start chewing. I continued to chew up until the point I became a Christian. I knew just from growing up in the church, chewing was frowned upon and honestly wasn't healthy. And I did want to quit, but I didn't know if I could. I then remembered something my grandmammy told me once. In her younger days, my grandmammy smoked. And I'm not talking a couple cigarettes here and there. She was a chain smoker. One of those people who used their old cigarette to light their new one. She was a pro. She smoked for over 15 years. And after she became a Christian, she too was taught quickly that smoking was quote unquote bad. So she prayed one night before she went to bed, asking the Lord to help her quit smoking. The next morning, her cravings were gone, and she never smoked another cigarette again. Early on in my time as a Christian, I really had this, if it worked for them, it'll work for me mentality. So I thought, if it worked for my grandmammy, then it'll work for me. The one night, just like she did, I prayed and asked God to help me quit. I told him I didn't want to chew or smoke anymore. And I woke up the next morning, just like my grandmammy, my cravings were gone. I no longer had a desire for tobacco. In fact, the smell of tobacco made me sick to my stomach. And I haven't had a chew since either. I wouldn't say it works all the time, but at that moment, I was desperate. I wanted Jesus and I wanted to be free. And freedom is what he gave me. To get notified as soon as a new episode is released, please click the subscribe button. We'd also love to hear from you. So leave us a review on whatever podcast listening app you use. 